Good evening. Welcome to Milkshake Monday being brought to you by Four Dose Productions. I am Anita Helm. First, I'd like to say that I'd like to offer my heart's prayer to those who all are affected by the University of Virginia's uh, shootings and woundings and just the full lockdown and impact to the campus and to the community and all the families. I am so sensitive because it was less than a year ago that my own daughter had a lockdown and two law officers that were murdered in the tragedy at Bridgewater College. And I just feel so, it's sad. It's very saddening to hear these things that these young people are being murdered and the, even the murderers are young. And it just requires a lot of prayer and soul searching by all of us to to figure out what we can unite together and do to help these young people in the mental health because the kids are not using words to express frustration. They're using these tools that kill people and we have all of these lives that are impacted because of this. And I just ask for prayers and comfort to everybody affected because it's not just a, you know, in two or three weeks, it's going to be over. The, the kids that are being affected at these campuses and high schools and even middle schools and elementaries by these tragedies, it's life-changing. It's actually life-changing. And we have to be prayerful about their mental health in the long term and even the post-traumatic stress syndrome that they experience because of this. They smile and they have their earphones in their ears and playing these games, but this stuff is affecting them. So that being said, I also would like to just share happy birthday to my Aunt Sarah Ann Brooks, who Lord willing has blessed her to see 98 years of life. And she celebrates two days because she was told by her mother that her birthday was November 15th. But when she got her birth certificate, decades later, she learned that it was November 14th. So we give her, her the celebration of 98 years of life. Now, tonight's episode 217 is named First Name Faith first name faith. And the reason why I chose that title, it's an overflow from something that I talked to you all about a few weeks back called, what are you wasting? And in looking at that Matthew 25, something about it jumped out at me. And as I was pondering for this week, I said, I'm going to get back to it. And the Lord is going to bless me to teach. And I've been excited for an hour to get on camera, but I want us to understand that there's a word called ambiguity. It means uh, that some people say there's a little ambiguous. It's not clear. I want something to be very clear tonight that when it comes to the first name of Jesus, we call him Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the son of God. But when we talk and hear about what he says about prayer, he says to pray in his name. And we call him Jesus. We love him. We refer to him all the time. And something about in this 21st century, we've gotten so into pomp and circumstance and want to have these titles, these positions, these elevations of authority so that people could say something other than our name, but call us something else with a bunch of titles and a bunch of alphabets behind our name. But when it comes to our faith and how Christ Jesus loves us, he knows us personally. He knows Anita. He knows Mary. He knows Pam. He knows us by name. And when it comes to that intimate 
tender relationship of loving the Lord Jesus Christ, I want us to see something tonight that not only does he love us and he calls us by name, he wants us to pray to his father by name. He's going to have so many instances in his scripture, which John 1, 1 says he, he is the word of God. And I want you to see that even when it comes to our abilities and talents and what we have been engrafted in the spirit of God to have these talents and skills that God has given it to us by our name. He has known us from Psalm 139 before we were in our mother's womb, but he knew how he fashioned and he framed each and every one of us as divine workmanship. So tonight I want to start off by the first name that we all call upon, which is Jesus. And seeing that quick birth story where you're going to see Joseph's name is called out. Mary's name is called out, but then he says he wants the baby Christ's name to be Jesus. It's no happenstance that you have the name Pamela or Mary or Anita or all the names we have. God knew that our parents may not even have known it till the last minute, but God knew, and he's going to start saying things about us and our names. And somehow we have to stop being so offended by people not calling us the title, but we'll see how important it is to be first name faith and have a relationship with Christ that's intimate and serious. So let's go to Matthew chapter one, verses 18 through 21. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy spirit because Joseph, her husband was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph called him by name, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name the first name, the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. His name was called out just like many of our names were called out. And we'll see at the end in the Lamb's Book of Life, anyone that's in the Lamb's Book of Life, they're going to have a name, a new name. Anyway, Jesus has a name. Now, when it comes to praying to the Father, he also says he wants us to pray in his name. He doesn't say, I don't want to, I don't want you to pray to the father in my title. I want you to go to the father and tell him that I'm the son of God. Tell him I'm Messiah. Tell him I'm the greater, you know, all these titles that are from Genesis to revelation. He says, I want you to come in my name. So look what it says in John 14 verses five through 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you, that you has a first name, that you is so specific to God. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you really know me, 
you will know my father as well. From now on, you do not know him. You do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Now, before I start this, I want to remind you of something. This is John 14, but in John four, there was an interchange between Jesus Christ and the woman at the well. And he, and he said to her, the Lord is, worship, is looking for true worshipers. So when you start to hear this knowing, and even when I start to tell you something about some works and some skills, I want you to always understand that the father and the son are looking for true worshipers who truly know and worship the son, Jesus Christ. So it's not just you've done a bunch of work that you're going to see, but that you have a knowledge of knowing. So when Christ starts to say about if you've known the father, if you've seen the father, you've seen me, that they're one. We have to understand that the first name of faith is first to understand that Jesus Christ and who he is and who he is in relation to the father. And that faith is in him. The faith and the love and the worship is about him. So it says, Jesus answered in verse nine, do you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Don't you believe that I am in the father and that the father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the father and the father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the father and I will do whatever you ask in my name. This is where the first name faith comes in, but I don't want you to get caught up in the works. I want you to understand it's about true worship. It's the worshipers who know him, who love him, who believe in him. And he says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the father may be glorified in the son. That's the operative thing. The father wants to have his son glorified. You may ask me for anything in my name, anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, I want you to understand why you see in another passage, Matthew chapter seven, verse 21, how these people are going to come to Christ. And they're going to start to say, Lord, didn't we? But even though you just saw about greater works, a lot of people believe that because they're in congregations and churches and all these fellowships, and they're working as all these positions in the church have all these titles that entitles them to salvation for the Lord. But the Lord wants you to understand that he understands the heart. It's not about you coming and working four hours, two hours, one hours, 20 hours, 30 hours. That's works. And I understand faith without works is dead, but God's always looking for those who are true worshipers, who love his son, who want to glorify his son. It's not about being seen. And we're going to see that at the end, because right now, as I'm talking about the access that we have through his name to the father and the tenderness of his love to know that anything that we ask in accordance with God's will, he'll do it. Because we are on a first name basis of love relationship with Christ. He's not looking for your title. He's not looking for you to obtain, uh, attain any sort of position of, oh, I've got it all. I've arrived. That's not what he's about. He lets you say his first name 
he speaks to you, to your first name. So why is it now we're in a posture of this environment where I need to go see apostle, bishop, pope, cardinal, all these titles. Christ says in his name, and his name is Jesus. And he looks to us in our name. He calls out Joseph and Mary. So what's going on that first name faith is not good enough in these days? I asked you that question, like going to Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? They were prophesying in Jesus Christ's name works and in your name, drive out demons and in your name, perform many miracles. His name has power. That doesn't change the motives of who's using his name. That's why you see in the the new Testament, people are going and doing this. And Christ says, you know, they're not going to call us accursed, but doesn't mean that they're in the number. That's why Judas may have been around doing things like a disciple, but he was always the son of perdition. And he's going to say in verse 23, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. That's why you will see Satan, who was originally Lucifer, that chief archangel, he was doing works of praise and worship in the north in the heaven, in the north, but his heart was never there. He was puffed up, even though he was giving praise that was musical and and all kinds of symphonies, he was rebelling against God and took a third of the host of angels. So people doing positions in the church don't always mean that they're connected with Christ. So you have to see on a first name basis, it was Lucifer, the musician, the great musician supposedly given worship, but it wasn't true worship. And he was cast down in Isaiah 14. Now that was us looking at the name of Jesus as our great example. Now we're going to look at the talents because when I taught the teaching, what are you wasting? I went to Matthew 25 and I read how the kingdom of God is like what crisis is. But I want you to see this one key phrase in Matthew 25, 14. And I'm reading all tonight out of the NIV. It says, again, it will be like a man talking about the kingdom of heaven. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted that word entrusted is important entrusted his wealth to them to one. He gave five bags of gold to another two bags and to another one, one bag. We used to call them talents in different verses, but he's talking about gold. But look what this word says here, each according to his ability, that word. And that phrase is what got me to first name faith because each one of them in this parable, Christ gave an example of that. He in the, even the parable was saying that God has a in internal microscopic knowledge of each and every one of our abilities. We know that because the spirit, the spirit, the Holy spirit is gifting that he gives according to, as he wills. Right. But that even our abilities and our talents and our gifts, whether spiritual gifts or just skills that we have, that we've learned since childhood to now that we innately just are good at. We just naturally have a flair for doing certain things. 
I wanted to show you something that when it comes to first name faith, that even in the category of those abilities and those talents, the word of God from Genesis to, to Revelation is showing that the Lord knows each and every one of us to the extent that when it's things that are needing to be done for his divine kingdom, he said, I've given this one, this gift. The Holy Spirit has filled this person with this ability and talent for the kingdom of God. So when I had that overflow of what are you wasting, when I saw this, each according to his ability, I said, Lord, I have to, I have to expound upon what you're saying there. And this is how we're going to expound upon it. We're going to talk about the tabernacle because I've taught this before, but I just want you to see that first name faith shows you that God has equipped you and he's equipped me with certain talents that are so precious to the whole entire plan of God. But we have to be open to do the very work of God. So look what's going to be happening in Exodus 35. I'm going to start with verse 25 because I want to see a generic, a generic reference to some skilled women without their names being called out. But there's some skilled women. But when you start to see the names being called out, the first names being called out, I want you to see how the Lord says the Holy Spirit has equipped, filled and given these people entrusted these people with some skills and gifts and craftsmanship that only the Holy Spirit can. So if you're wondering why people say, oh, she is so good at that. Oh, he is such a natural. It is because the Lord has purpose in his mind, his heart and his workmanship of fashioning you. Nothing is junk with God. Everything has a purpose. And in verse 25, it says every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun blue, purple, or scarlet yarn or fine linen. Jump to verses 30 through 35, because we're going to start seeing two people called out by first name, baby, first name, honey. Verse 30. Then Moses said to the Israelites, see, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, his first name. And he has filled him, filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. I want to say hallelujah. Verse 32, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Oliab, son of Ashamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue and purple and scarlet and yarn and fine linen and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. Do you see how God knows you, has fashioned you, has equipped you? Psalm 139 is not a joke. This example shows you that God knows the abilities he's put in you. He knows what the spirit has filled you with. So when you start to discount, oh, I only know how to do this. I'm not good. Like stop comparing what they have. God has given you the gifts that he wants you to have. He's given you the talents and skills that he wants you to have for his purpose, for his glory to his son. 
Let's go on to Exodus 36. So Bezalel, Oliab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord had commanded. Imagine this. First name faith, baby. God has entrusted these people. These two we call by, by name, but there's other people they're going to teach that are going to gravitate because they know in themselves they're really good at being a designer. They're really good at art artwork. And people are saying, oh no, I want you to be a doctor. Oh, I know I want you to be this. Don't discount somebody else's gift because it's not yours and you don't think it's fitting or it's worthy. If God has given them that love, that passion, you don't know what the Holy Spirit is about to do. Because when you're starting to read what I'm going to share with you, God gets in such a blessing in the gifts and the talents and the sharing that in the 2022, we have not seen where people say, oh, that's enough. Stop telling the people. They're going to say, tell the people, stop bringing stuff because they are so blessed because everybody's operating in their gifts and their talents and they're doing it as unto the Lord. Work is unto the Lord. And there's such a power of giving and sharing that they have to say, put the brakes on it. Where have we seen that in the last centuries? But when we're operating one and all under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in our gifts and our talents, look out with what the Lord can do. He says he can open up the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing. Them windows, there's more windows than any house and any doors. And God said he pour out a blessing. And you're going to see, let's go here to verse two. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Oliab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. Willing, Lord, that, that's a great word. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of the constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. Giving is on overload. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Look at what this says in verse six. Then Lord, then Moses gave an order. There ain't no pastor. There's no bishop. There's no prophet. There's no priest. There's no apostle. There's no pope that has ever said that I know of since my lifetime. These words. Then Moses gave an order and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. Look at when we get in accordance with the word of God, doing the work of the Lord with the heart of the Lord, with the right motives, what God can do. All those who were skilled among the workers made this tabernacle. And it says with 10 curtains of finely twisted linen and blue, purple and scarlet yarn with cherubim woven into them by expert hands. There are some expert hands that were sitting on our hands instead of doing what the word of the Lord and the spirit has engrafted and planted in us. Now, let's go to another example. We've seen the access and the tenderness of Jesus Christ, where we have access to the father. He was named. We've seen how. We have the ability to have the talent so that we can do things for the tabernacle and we can have a testimony for what God can do. Now we're going to see 
how arrogance and titles affect. I want you all to understand that when it comes to demonic activity, what we saw in the Old and New Testament, because I try to always show both Old and New Testament so people don't say, oh, I just want to be a New Testament believer. God gave us all 66 books of the Bible for a purpose and a reason. It's from the inspired Holy Spirit. So it's important for us to see and understand and ask God to, to give us revelation for it all. What you will see is some demonic activity. And the reason why I'm telling you that in advance is because I'm going to show you out of Ephesians 6, which all of us should know by now, by heart. So we know about putting on the whole armor of God in Ephesians 6. But let me go to verse 12, because when I start to talk about arrogance and titles and people who don't want to be called by their first name because they are offended, that's not showing me enough deference. That's not showing the people who I am. That's not showing that I'm set apart, that I'm more important, that you need to give me my due. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Be careful because look what it starts. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Some places as high places. I was reading out of the New King James. When you start to see the, the titles and not the first name, which you are going to see shortly, you're going to notice that when God starts to call people hypocrites, white sepulchers, he doesn't say people by name. The time you see in the New Testament, somebody called by name is the chief priest, Ananias. But again, you're hearing titles. But then most of the times you will only hear Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, hypocrites, white sepulchers. He's not giving them names because all they're about is their titles. And I, I really do say this and I'm a broken record. Please, please be careful when your motives for what you're doing day to day in your service in the ministry of Jesus Christ is really to get a new title. It's really to be called out as, I don't want to say names because then you think I'm picking on you. But when you start to have to have a title, it's not good enough that I call you John or Bob or Sally or Sue or Mary or Jim Bob. No, you've got to be title then title, not even your first name. If somebody calls your first name, you know, you're not supposed to call pastor by his first name. When I went to college and they were having the pastor be called by first name, Bill, it took me some time because all my young life, you don't call the pastor by his first name, but they're like, no, call me Bill. Call me Tim. Our fellowship was off the chart. The giving was off the chart because nobody was putting pretense. All of us were sinners saved by grace. But in the case of here, I want you to see, I can't read it all because I'm going to be sensitive of time, but I want you to understand all those titles. And we're going to go, uh, we're going to read Matthew verses six chapter, sorry, chapter six, verses one through eight, because I'm going to give you an example of what Christ says out of his own red letter text that you're going to see because he was not pleased. And I want you to see over and over again, it's going to be uh, Matthew chapter six, verses one through eight over and over again. He keeps saying, cause people want to be seen by others. People want to be seen by others. That's the motives are off. They can go say, I did this like they did in John or Matthew seven. But in reality, he knew their motives. And that's why I say, be careful 
that you have first name faith with Christ, that you're not trying to say, I want my title. We have all these different celebrities and we have all these different athletes. And, but when they come into the house with their mama, Hey, Usain, she didn't say, Hey, Olympic star track runner with the world record. Come on in here. You saying and do some trash. Come on over here. Come on over here, Meryl Streep. Come on over here, Meryl. Iron some clothes. Not Academy Award women, but see, in the, in the Christian church, come on over here, Bishop. Come on over here, moderator. Come on over here, Pope. Come on over here, Cardinal. We don't, I, I don't want to call y'all out by busting you, but I'm telling you, be careful that you're not going after the titles and not understanding that Christ is not about them titles. And a lot of them titles are taking you away from the, the precious word of God and the purpose of what he wants done in the kingdom of God to preach the word of God. Can you imagine something? And this wasn't even part of my teaching. Christ spent so much time walking among the people. He was in the synagogue. No question about that. But all these interactions that we saw him on the mountain, on the seashore, you saw Paul, different places, all these places going, going. We want to spend millions and gazillions of dollars building more buildings. The people aren't coming into the buildings. The buildings were closed. If we learn nothing else, if we keep putting money into compressors and, and crown molding and bricks and pews and, and the rug and the carpet and sound systems and all this stuff, imagine if we spent all that energy, that time and that motivation, finding out what the gifts of God were to do and to go out to talk to these people who are hurting and struggling. We can see construction. The tabernacle was constructed. There was gifts and artisans and yes, nothing against, but imagine if we spent some of that time going in to share the message of Christ outside of that building. Cause that building is normally not open, but two couple, three days a week. We have everybody there. Anyway, let me start on Matthew. It says in verse one, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Notice he used the word practice. He didn't say worship. He said, practice your righteousness to be seen in front of others. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with the trumpets as the hypocrites. Here we go. Hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others, not by God. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that you are giving so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now he goes into prayer because first name faith knows that when you have that intimacy with the Lord, the Lord sees and knows all. He knows what he's put in your heart. He knows the abundance of your heart because not only is your mouth speaking, but he knows when you have to do it in front of everybody to see. He knows when you want to get that position of authority because you want to be with the big wigs. He is not about what you can do for the Lord. Oh, you can have greater access and authority. No, he knows the motives. Now, everybody around you may think you're humble and you're so wonderful and you're so that, but God knows the motives. So when you do your once a month or how often you're doing your communion, you need to do that self-examination because he knows all of our selfish ambitions. He knows the desires of our hearts, the ones that are not that he didn't put in and the ones that we puffed ourselves up to get prayer. 
verse five of Matthew six. And when you pray, and we just saw how you're praying in his name, right? We saw when you pray in John 14, you pray in his name, ask, but he's expecting you to know who he is, know his father's will and know and believe that the father's whole purpose is to glorify his son. But he says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. That's the second time we saw hypocrites, right? For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others, to be seen by others. He's putting it plain. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And y'all know he's unseen, but he sees all. And he says, when you go to pray, whose name are you praying in? First name, Jesus. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We're going to see in Revelation 21 real quick how that reward is. It's in the Lamb's book of life. Not rewards here, not getting the key to the city, not getting a plaque, not getting the old. I got to tell y'all this story. It wasn't, I'm getting it. As it comes, I'm giving it to you. My youngest daughter is 21 years ago. And when she was barely one, I don't think she was one. We were invited to some bishops ordination and it was this big to do. And I had the baby in the back. My husband was a pastor. So of course he was invited, but I was in the back. I don't like foolishness. I don't like, I don't like all, all that stuff. So y'all, y'all got to know that I'm in the back with the baby. Thank God. That was my excuse. Cause apparently every time the bishop was to stand, everybody is supposed to stand. I said, Jesus didn't ask us to do that. That ain't nothing in the Bible that says when somebody is named, everybody stand. Jesus, when he was standing up, everybody didn't stand. I mean, all this stuff that we be doing now just makes me want to anyway, say stuff. I won't say it because it's on camera, but I'm just saying we are getting so full of stuff. And that's why it says pride comes before a fall, because this is ridiculous. This stuff we got going on. All right, come on down, Nita. And when you pray, verse seven, Matthew six, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you have need of before you ask. Now, I told you about Satan and his false worship. Before I tell you about Isaiah 14, I want you to understand that in the atmosphere, we just had these elections, and I told you about Ephesians six. Everybody just elected it to an office is not always of the Lord. Y'all know that, right? Well, in another passage, Daniel, shut the noise, Yoshi. Hush. Daniel, Daniel is in, let's go to Daniel chapter 10. Ha, quit. We're going to have a battle. Then. Okay. Daniel chapter 10. It says in verse 11, and he said to me, Oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for I have now been sent to you while he was speaking this word to me. I stood trembling. Then he said to me in verse 12, do not fear Daniel for the, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. Verse 13 is talking to you about principalities in high places, but you're going to see, I want you to see as I give a read where the location and the environment of the spiritual warfare was happening. It was in a location. That's why this whole Washington DC metropolitan area, 
There is so much demonic activity. People are want to be powerful, but it's all over the country and the world. But I want you to see the example that he's going to call out spiritual warfare, but then he's going to say Kings, people in high places are perverted with the perversion of wanting these titles. But in order to get the titles, guess what they do? They bow down to the idols and the gods and the pagans and the hypocrites. And they do the things that Satan says when Satan offered Christ, those different things to say, Hey, just bow down to me, just praise and worship me. And I'll give you all this. And that's what a lot of these people in authority and power are doing. Don't be fooled by that. But it says in verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days and behold, Michael, one of the chief princesses came to help me for I had been left alone there with the Kings of Persia. The kings, plural of Persia for 21 days. And you notice how the prince of the kingdom of Persia, this is demonic spiritual warfare because they call Michael the chief prince because in authority, when Lucifer fell, Michael is the next one. You have Michael and you have Gabriel and you have, you only have those two that are identified as those archangels, but there was a level of authority. And now they're talking about, Hey, we have a prince, but then it says the Kings of Persia, Kings of Persia. So you don't know what the spiritual warfare, but I'm going to go to Isaiah 14 really quickly. And then I'm going to do the last scripture for tonight, but talking about the false worshipers, because there can be people that don't want to have their first name. They don't want first name faith. They want first title. They don't even really care about the faith. They can have the pretense of faith, but it's about the title. And God keeps saying Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, the chief priest, hypocrites, pagans. And then here we have who used to be the chief musician. He used to be the archangel in heaven, but look what happened to him. Isaiah 14 verses 12 through 16. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart. That's why God knows your heart. First name faith is an intimacy with God that he knows you. You know him. You are talking to him. You're praying to him. You're petitioning for him. You're believing in him. You're glorifying him. But when you get to this part. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the most on the Mount of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphron. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high, but you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Those who see you, those who see you stare at you, they ponder your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and made kingdoms tremble? Now let's go to the last scripture tonight. Revelations 21 verses 11 through 15. Because I said 21, but I meant Revelations 20 verses 11 through 15. Revelations 20, 11 through 15. Because we have a choice. We can have an intimate first name faith and belief and trust and worship of the most high God, the father and the son, and the Holy spirit, or we can choose to elevate 
the titles and be offended that somebody would have the audacity to call you by your first name. That's why when people used to say first lady this, I was like, no, Anita's fine. Anita is fine because Anita knows I am a sinner saved by grace. It says the wages of sin is death. And I know Jesus had to go on that cross for me. And yeah, Rev is a Rev, but you can call William Helm. You can call me Anita because we never got into all that. And I'm not saying we anything special. I'm just saying, I know I'm not special. I know that had it not been for the Lord, I'd be going to hell. So in Revelations 20 verses 11 through 15, we're going to see those that choose to have their titles and think that they're going to elevate themselves above God. And they don't need to have a relationship with Christ. And if they do have one and they faking it, they think they're going to get away with it. It don't work like that. Verse 11 says, then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead small and great standing before God and books were opened. Guess what? Books have names, girls, boys, men, women, books have names in them. And it says here, and books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. Praise God. I want my first name, new name to be in there. God don't know it. God, God don't know it. I just want to say, I need it. There you go. There you go. That's what I want. That's what I want. All that other stuff. I just want to be in the Lamb's book of life. That's the key. That's the key. I'd love to have well done thy good and faithful servant. But first and foremost, I want to be in the book. I want my name in the book. I want first name Faith. Hey, girl, his girlfriend is in the book. It says here, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged each of each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. First name, faith. And y'all need to go read, you know, Revelations 21. Anyway, I got to read it. Let me just read it real quick. I'll just read four verses of it. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And as I end, it makes me think of the pain and the suffering of those at UVA. It makes me think of the tears that are going to be with having to bury those young men, having to go to the hospital, to be with the wounded, having to have mental health professionals. I don't think we can even appreciate having to have injuries to a, a, a child that you sent to school that you expected to see for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And now you're going to be bearing him. So I ask you guys to be in prayer because Satan knows his time is, is, is drawing nigh and we're seeing things. I have said so many times on Milkshake Monday of these tragedies, the wars, the famines, the 
pandemic and the death and the death and the tragedies and tragedies. But Satan knows his time. Revelations 20 is coming and he's going to do whatever he can to kill our children, kill our family members, kill our friends, kill, kill our church members, kill people in the streets, kill babies, whatever. He doesn't care because his whole purpose is to still kill and destroy. And if he can keep us following after folly, following after titles, following after positions of authority, following after people who lie, who people who have no moral compass at all, get us distracted to keep fighting. He knows that if we were ever to come into one accord and listen to God and let our gifts and our talents and our skills that God has empowered us, what mighty things we could do. So I say again, the harvest is ripe, but the labors are few. It's my prayer in the name. It's Anita's first name, Faith, Anita, praying to the Lord in Jesus's name that the harvest, which is so ripe, that we will pray to the Lord of the harvest, that we will be laborers and gather those people who need to know that Christ loves them. I pray that something has been said that will give you the understanding that to get closer to God, God is near you. Lord willing, I will see you next week. God bless.